Bishop Barron points out that the readings in cycle A for Lent, um, these wonderful readings from John, kind of have a crescendo pattern as you go through Lent. Uh, now we're in the fifth Sunday. Like two Sundays ago, we talked about the woman at the well and how uh, this thirst that she experiences is reflective uh, and sacramental, if you will, of this deep thirst that the entire human race has for living water, some satisfaction, something that we can't provide for ourselves to slake that, that deep thirst. Then last week, the man born blind is all of us in our blindness because of sin uh, that we just cannot see uh, reality as it is, God as he is ourselves, and we're utterly lost because of that. We cannot see the way home. And today with Lazarus uh, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead, that's all of us again in the tomb, totally dead in our sin. And these readings are Lenten in that they show us our need, our, the depth of our need and the depth of our lostness, how lost we are without God. Um, this reading from the first reading, Ezekiel, I mean, from time immemorial, this had haunted the human race, and particularly the people of Israel, uh, who were chosen by God, that, and yet still oppressed by death. And they, they longed for this day, and there were rumors and prophecies that one day that, uh, that he would call out to all the dead who would rise from their graves, that death would no longer oppress us. And that, that particular passage in Ezekiel, is, he goes out into the field of dry bones, and here, it's very evocative the bones start to rattle and then flesh and sinews start to get on the, on the bones and, and then skin and like what it actually looks like for us to go from totally dead dust and bones to alive again. Um, it's unbelievable. It's incredible, except that God um, is all powerful and all good and wants to give us this gift. But nevertheless, there's that, that is like the thing that haunts us is that at every moment we live for death. Um, and especially in times like this where uh, the force of death, physical death, is so present um, and we can see how much we fear it and how much we uh, try to avoid it. Uh, rightly so, the gift of life is, uh, is a gift from God. Uh, but this physical life will not last forever, no matter uh, how much we try to make it last forever. And I think it's also interesting, um, I mean, this whole reading, there's, there's so many details, just as the other two stories, but uh, that one verse that's just two words, Jesus wept. Uh, we see at the tomb how much Jesus is pained by our death. You know, St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Um, the entire Bible is the story of how badly God wants us to be alive, not to die, but not even just to, to live, like to survive, but to flourish and to be fully alive. That's the whole mission of Jesus. And he resists death at every turn. Even though he enters headlong into death, he's not complicit with it. Right? Unlike us who are forced, we're enslaved by sin and death. He goes freely into it to take us out of it, to call us out of our graves. All of these, it's like the widow of Nain, remember, when he's the, the other couple of people that he raises from the dead. It's the same kind of uh, visceral reaction that Jesus has. The Greek word for that story is splank nisomai. Like he was, his guts were moved when he saw the widow crying and this funeral procession and this young man dead. He hates the fact that we die and wants us to live. 
And that's what drives his son into death for us and with us. That's where he wants to be, is in the tomb with us, so that he can call us out again. There are all these determinisms in human life uh, that we are enslaved, if you want, by. Um, And you see them in this story. Like, for instance, when Jesus says, first of all, that let's go back to to Bethany, which is in Judea, right close to Jerusalem. And the the apostles are like, the Jews were just trying to stone you. You you don't want to go back to Judea. Um, Like, we're we're afraid of all of the, like, unforeseen circumstances that we might, we try to protect ourselves. And and Jesus is not determined by those things. Where Martha and Mary both say, if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. You know, we're, we're determined by chance and fortune and luck and we think like oh man if only we're constantly playing that game in our mind like yeah my life won't work out the way I want unless it's you know like the circumstances happen to fall into place like God is not determined by chance he, he sees it all and he knows everything um, or finally there will be a stench it's been four days right? like how dead could he be he's so dead um, and yet Jesus is not determined by even that. And that's, I think, the point. The physical death is not a problem for God. Like, he can take dry bones and put flesh back on them. What he's really after is um, our complicity with death, the, the root cause of it, how we choose death. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses says, I put before you life and death. Choose life. Well, we sinners, we choose death. We cut ourselves off from life. Ironically, in a, in a pursuit of preserving our life or preserving our ego or ourself. Um, and God has come to, to invite us to open ourselves back out so that we may live. And that is the gospel. I mean, we try to formulate the gospel in like steps and uh, propositions. But the gospel is the resurrection. That's it. The, the, what is, uh, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life. That's the gospel. He's come into death with the fullness of life. And we who die can live so long as we believe in him and cling to him and carry our cross and die with him. So St. Paul says, live in the light. Don't live in the flesh. Live in the spirit. I wonder what Lazarus' life was like after he rose. Because he has to die again, of course. To me, it's like the scariest part of death is not the darkness, not the tomb. It's the dying part. (laughs) That's scary. And Lazarus has to do that all again. Right? What was his reaction when he woke up, you know, and they took that burial cloth off his face and they unbound his hands? Was he more possessive of his life after that? Was he more scared of dying because now he's lived through it and I don't want to go through that again? Was he more uh, aware of, like, how fragile his life was and tried to cling to it more? Or did he see his life more purely as a gift and so give it away? Was he more aware of his dependence on God? And how he has nothing. He can't preserve his own life. It can only be given away in love and so be multiplied. Finish with this. There's a story I, I love. Um, I read in an Anne Lamott book about this little boy whose sister had cancer. And he was about eight years old and his sister was about five. And it was blood cancer and she needed a, a blood transfusion and her brother was a match. And the doctors were trying to explain to this little boy... Um, you know, you're, you're a match for your sister and, it, and she needs blood. And you're, if you give her blood, she can live. Um, but otherwise, she might die. So would you be willing to give some of your blood to your sister? And the little boy 
uh, the parents really didn't want to pressure him, and it was a scary situation. So the, uh, the, the little boy said, well, can I tell you tomorrow? And so they're like, yeah, that's fine. So they go home. Sister's in the hospital. He sleeps at home, wakes up in the morning, and at, over breakfast he says, I want to do it. I want to give my sister uh, blood. And so, oh, great. And they go to the hospital, and they, they hook up the thing, and the sister's right here, the brother's right here. And a few minutes in, the nurse goes over to check on the little boy and says, is everything okay? How do you feel? And he goes, I feel fine. When do I start to die? Because <laughs> he thought, in his mind, that's what they're asking. Like, she's going to die if she doesn't get blood. I have blood. And it took him one night to decide, yeah, I'll do it. Chesterton said that our problem is that we grow old. God stays young. Like, he, he's not bored by amazing us with new things every single day that to us feel like the same old sunset, same old sunrise, same old wonderful things that he gives us in life. But can we remain fresh and young and not get bored or not cling to live in the spirit, not in the flesh, to have that kind of innocence and that kind of freedom? That God, the gospel is the resurrection. God is powerful. Physical death is not a problem for him. And if we trust in him and give ourselves over to him, we can have the fullness of life here and now and on into eternity.